Olivia Thompson. I have on the line with me Lou and Charles. Uh, this was kind of. Yeah. Oh, no, by the way, I have my son in the background, but I'm sure you guys are all used to that one by now. <laughs> Today's episode, well, I guess I'm going to start trying to do a series on um, the Jedi Compass, which is a document written by the entire Jedi community over the course of so many months. Basically, the document was taken by some unknown person, not going to name whoever it was because they don't want their name named to every Jedi Order that there is in the English-speaking community. Why? Well, we could have used the Russian, we could have used the Czech, but that individual, uh, well, pretty good at deciphering Pigeon English and Google Translate, recognized that different languages have different ways of communicating things and it probably wouldn't work out too well. So, um, that individual just decided, you know, hey, let's keep it to the English-speaking communities, and they'll take it to the Russian and the Czech orders whenever they get around to it. Now, that also has a project, no. and if anybody no. wants to participate in it, we are writing different things so it, it can get compiled into a book. The proceeds will hopefully go to some international charity. Not sure what that is yet, but the community will vote on it later. And I sound like an auctioneer right now. This is what happens when you work in fast food in a drive-thru. But today... I'm bidding, I'm bidding one dollar. One dollar. Overcoming aggression. Now, this is uh, kind of brought to you by Trigun Obsession recently. That and kind of Doctor Who, too. So I guess we can bring Doctor Who into it since uh, that is now my new obsession. Though I still love Sailor Moon. Never, never forget that, guys. <laughs> but let's start it out with a question. A question that was brought up during somebody's nighting trial. I'm going to let, since this question was brought to Charles' attention, let you what it was. And it's all words. And you, uh, you can make it generalized, but you can say exactly what it was when you got it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll generalize it. Um, I'll generalize it because I'm not going to name names. Except for the person who asked me the question, because he, he deserves to be applauded for this. Um, first, got to explain the knighting trial, I guess. What you've got to realize is everyone else's knighting trial, uh, they were picked up and raked over the coals or questioned. Uh, I hear Allie's was particularly bad. It was like, you know, they just came and just beat her with sticks until she, uh, until she got back up, so... It, it, it was bad. Mine was more like, all right, so we know you're a knight, and we ain't got much to ask. The only person who was really willing to challenge me was Opie McLeod, to which I will give my uh, uh, forever, what's the, what would be the proper term, my, my continual thanks, my never-ending never gratitude for that, because I definitely prefer a challenge, especially if it's going to be a trial. I mean, if it's a trial, I should be tried, right? Um, it certainly should not be a walk in the park. It shouldn't, shouldn't be like uh, other people's trials, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, the question he asked me was, uh, to paraphrase it, if someone was to come in here and smack one of your good friends straight to the ground, you know, just smack them as hard as they can, what would you do? And this was in, this was in response to my anger, you know, because my greatest weak point, if I have one, 
as a Jedi would be control of anger. And um, that may or may not be a misnomer. We'll certainly get into that more, I'm sure, as this episode goes on. But that was the question. What would you do if someone hurt someone close to you? How would you respond in that moment? So as your answer was, at the time. At the time, and I, and this is the thing, and the point I raise with this, uh, is that honesty is a very, a very many-speckled thing. That honesty has layers to it. That's why I'm still asking the question, because it's a question worth asking. Uh, initially, I said, you know, well, first, I got mad, because I was allowing myself to get mad. I was allowing you, if you're going to test me for my resolve against my anger, then the only way for that test to work is to let myself get angry at the idea. So I did. And... I looked at Opie and I said, what would I want to do? I'll tell you what I want to do. He's like, I don't want to know what you want to do. <laughs> I already know what you want to do. I can see that in your eyes. I didn't ask what you'd want to do. I want to ask what you'd do. And at the time, my answer was that I would step in the way, make certain the person was safe. And I said, you know, this is really dependent on how hard they've been hit. Have they just been smacked upside the face? In which case, it's a smack. It's not a big deal. I'm going to phone the police for assault and have the person arrested for it. Um, but if they've been knocked to the ground like a solid hit, even with a backhand, then I've got to get in the way first to make sure they're safe. And I said, you know, I've also got to set a good example for those that are watching me. And what I mean by that is I, I have a lot of people that depend on me to set an example for what's right and wrong in this. You know, the person in question is actually someone I was training, the person he used in the example. And I said, if I step in the way and then beat this person to death or to a bloody pulp for doing this, I'm saying that might makes right, that that's the only thing that makes right in this world, that it's right because I'm strong enough to beat someone up for it, that really that person was right until I stepped in the way, that they were in the right because they had the power to do it until I stepped in the way and now they don't have the power to breathe. So I've got to weigh that in and... I would step in and be a barrier first, and then if they walked away, that's fine. I'll call the police after they're at a distance where I know that, that part of the conflict's resolved, because it's now their problem. Uh, and if they tried to get past me, then I would do everything in my power to stop them without going overboard. And I, I believe, if I recall correctly, I and you can uh, double-check my memory on this alley, because you were there for my statement. I said I would try to hurt them with this little pain as possible. I tried to do as little in terms of hurting the person as I could to restrain them, but at the end of the day, my art and my abilities have always been very much striking-oriented, and I want to say I would do as little harm as I could, but I can't believe that there wouldn't be a little bit of emphasis in there just for the action. I, I answered it to some degree in those words, didn't I? Okay, I was just making sure, because I remember I, I tried to convey at the time that, yeah, I'm not going to say that I would have my fists fully restrained, that I would hit with the most gentle of, of uh, touches necessary, that there would be some part of me that would be pushing that, but I'd be trying to keep it in check. So that was my answer to it, and the thing is, I guess, for my part, what I want to hit on with that question is it's a really good question if you're willing to really ask it. And what I mean by that is, you've really got to sit there and ask the question time and again to see if you're still that person. And even then, you've got to ask, when you're asked a question like that, are you presenting what everyone expects? 
Because you may not even realize you're presenting what everyone expects. Or are you presenting the truth of it? Because you won't really know the truth and the reality till the moment hits. The truth is, if someone backhanded one of my friends in front of me, I don't know what I'd do. I can tell you what I'd hope. Well, I'd t I can tell you what I've trained. I can tell you what I've drilled into myself, but I might cower in a corner. I might knock the person out in one hit. I might not do anything. I might be like, so, does that solve anything? I might go a whole different route than I'm aware of. I can't tell you how a person will react in any given situation, but I can tell you what I would hope and what I think. So. Now, this question was posed to me last night because Charles and I got talking about, uh, well, he goes, Allie, you know, I've been thinking about this question ever since Obi gave it to me. It, I cannot let this question go because I'm not sure. I've not been put in a situation like this yet where that actually happened, where he attacked the exact individual that uh, that was in question, my, my Padawan. This is speaking from him, by the way. And then he's like, and then, you know, I got to thinking, well, what if it wasn't my Padawan? It, it could have been you. It could have been anyone that was there that cared about me. And then that's assuming that the person could have even attacked that individual, you know, because at some point... Yeah, he, he picked a really bad example. I'm not going to name names, but he picked someone who is not only physically incapable of it, but for anything bad that's been said about that person, mentally it's not who they are. So, but he uh, he picked someone that, I, that he thought I would believe could do it. Um, so we'll just say for that, what if it was someone who could do it, though, you know? Yeah, that's what it boiled down to was it has to be someone that could do it and can do it to the point where it's going to actually make me react. Well, then after we got off the phone, Nathan and I decided to watch, like, I think it was 10 episodes of Trigun. <laughs> or, you know, in Trigun, this whole episode, this whole series, the guy is like, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to distinguish one single light because... I promised Rem that I wasn't going to do that. And Rem's like this character from his past and whatnot. But the point was, you know, he he wants to save everybody. There's like a scene in there where there's a there's a, um, a spider and a butterfly. The butterfly's caught in the web and the spider's just kind of crawling to it. So it goes to, so Vash goes to save the butterfly but Knives comes in and kills the spider. And he was like, I want, Bash goes, I want to save them both. And Knives is like, you can't save them both. One's gotta, one's gonna die in the first place. If it didn't eat the butterfly, it was gonna die. So since you want to save the butterfly, you may as well just uh, let the spider die a quick and painless death. And he's like, no, I want to save them both because he wants to save everybody. He wants you know, that compassion and whatnot. Well, you know, the difference between the animal kingdom and the human kingdom, which is still an animal, but, you know, we're not going to get into that. We're going to get into the difference of philosophical, you know, human versus animal thing, just for the sake of this argument. Humans are logical. They are in compassionate. They have emotions that we can understand, that we can, well, we can sort of understand. We 
we try to understand it, but you know, hey, everybody's got this thing about how psychology is a soft science, but in either case, it's a little bit easier to understand than how we understand. Uh, you know, we, we put everything in complex complexities in the human race, and well, others don't have near so much, especially insects, insects such as butterflies and spiders. So, anyways, uh, you know, we you can appeal to somebody's somebody's uh, logic, their their compassion, their this, their that, and that's this entire show. Is he's showing that humans can actually overcome whatever it is. They they don't have to kill. And they won't kill if they're given an opportunity not to kill. You know, Doctor Who actually kind of shows that too. Of course, the difference between Doctor Who and Trigun is in Doctor Who, he gives them a choice. He recognizes that there are choices and that they could go one way or they could go the other way. So in this, in Trigun, he, he quote-unquote overcomes aggression, but then when he gets put into a situation where he has to choose the lives of people that he cares about, a whole huge group of them, or this character, Legato, yeah, Legato, he ends up killing Legato, and it, it causes him severe mental anguish. Because when he kills Legato, and I hope this isn't spoilers because most of you probably, most people have probably watched Trigun all the way through. This is my first time watching it all the way through. I don't actually know what happens in the last two episodes, so I'm just going off what I know. Anyways, so the uh, <laughs> the whole series, they're sitting. The he's finally gotten to this point where now he's very angry. He has he realizes that he hasn't overcome his aggression and that he's going to have to make a decision to. Uh, either get rid of Knives, who's like the orchestrator of all this insanity, or to find a way to save him. Um, I'll find out what happens in the next two episodes with that, but yeah, we'll see. For all I know, he actually ends up killing him. But, you know, he really hasn't overcome aggression. And this is kind of the false, false way that we get into, or falsity that we get into, is that we think we've overcome aggression. But really what we're doing is we're burying it further and further. Doesn't that get into what my answer is now? Okay. Say again, Allie. Okay. Wiggle your microphone, you're squeaking. Try it again. Does that work? Maybe? There we go. Which brings us to now Charles' new answer to this question. I, you know, I've looked at it. And there are a lot of factors on this. But I, I got to think I would become a chef at that point. I would follow the instructions on a box of cake mix. I would beat thoroughly until done and then stick in oven for two hours. Um, I might beat the person to death for it, to be honest. And there's a difference that needs to be explained there. Killing a man is easy. The throat, the rib cage, these areas, if hit correctly, kill a man. I think I'd just beat on them till they died, which is a whole other way of killing someone. Um, and that's a really harsh thing to say, but I've got to be honest with myself and look inward and say, you know, this is a split reaction. 
But even that's not completely honest, because here's the other thing. Once I've got this person on the ground and I'm beating on them, it's a question of how long before I realize they can't do anything to protect themselves, because they wouldn't be able to against me. That's not to say that I'm the biggest, baddest anything, or that I'm even all that good. I just know that a man empowered is a very hard thing to stop, and I'm a very large man, and I'd be very empowered at that moment. I have no qualms about stating that a larger sized individual is going to hit harder and be able to throw their weight around. I've spent my entire life learning not to do it. I would be unlearning that in a second just to get at the person. I would have no trouble using everything I've got to tear them apart piece by piece. The question then comes into how long would I do this? Would I stop before they were dead? And I don't have an answer for that because at some point, if they can't defend themselves, you know, assuming it goes that well for me, <laughs> you know, got to assume that too. That you know, if this becomes a lopsided event, I might stop. I might stop just because I realized that there was nothing more that they could do, and there was nothing more that I needed to do to them, or that I even wanted to. But would I realize that before or after? And I don't know. I can't tell you that I would definitely snap out of it before I was done beating them to nothing. And I can't tell you that I would snap out of it, because I've never been in such a situation. And now I'm back to the start of the question again. What would I do or what would I hope I would do? Well, I already know what I would do, but what would I hope I would do? Maybe, that's the, maybe that becomes the next question for me. And maybe for those that ask themselves these kind of questions, when you finally become completely honest with yourself, you know, at what point is any of this more than asking what would I hope I would do? You know, I can tell you what my impulse would be. See, that's, that's the damning part of it. I can't tell you what I would do, but I can tell you that when I'm pushed past a point of anger, I shake with rage to control myself. And I mean that. If I'm trying not to let my anger get out, I shake. I physically become shaky with the anger. And this would be an anger the likes of which no human being has ever brought me to. This would be the rage that no one has ever felt necessary to cause to be brought upon them. This would be the Berserker Fury in all of its glory. Every song you've ever heard written, this would be comparative. And I know this because I've seen myself get anger, angered over lesser insults. Because all anger is, is, a, is the response to insult. And this would be the highest insult that could be paid. So if I can shake it rage for a minor insult, and I can, I have before. If I can, if I can become so angry that I shake with the need for, you know, not even justice, but vengeance over petty things, over a verbal insult, what would I do if someone hurt a person close to me? Well, I want to say, I, I hope that I would stop myself, that I would stand there shaking and maybe let the person beat on me. You know, I had this conversation with David, and he said, I think that might be what you would do, is let them beat on you because you were trying to hold back, because you knew that once you let go to hit them, it would be over. You wouldn't be able to stop. And I said, that's a very valid. I, I would hope that he's right. I'd hope David hit that one on the head, you know. I would hope. But if I'm wrong in what I would hope, if I'm wrong about the man that I hope to be, then I would become a monstrosity. 
I would become worse than than the offender. The insult that I would pay them would be the insult I receive would be repaid a thousand times over. They would understand at the end of the day that they had crossed a line. They'd only understand it briefly, mind. Um, or they would understand it briefly and then for all time's sake. I would hope. I would hope against hope that I would stop myself. But the reality, you know, if it's just what's inside a person's heart, you know, what is the truth of the man? The truth of the man is anyone who would, who would cross that line with someone I care about would be crossing that line. They'd be entering that territory that I've determined is sacred. They'd be entering that which I hold dearest to me, which is the sanctity, not of life. If I held the sanctity of life, in general, I wouldn't be eating a salad with chicken in it later. If I held the sanctity of life itself, wow, I couldn't even be on this internet broadcast. You know, everything we do, somewhere someone suffered for it. There's kids starving in third world countries so that we have the technology to have this broadcast. Obviously, I don't give that much on the sanctity of life, if I'm being really truthful, or else I wouldn't even own a, a machine, would I? So... What do I really care about? Well, I care about the sanctity of life of those close to me, to be honest. And by extension, even those around me. Anytime someone's been hurt or attacked around me, I've always stood up to try and protect them. I should say almost always. I've had my moments of cowardice, as anyone has. But, you know, I value the sanctity of life right now. And above that, I value the sanctity of the life of those I care about. This is, this is the truth of it. The person who does this, I valued the sanctity of their life up to that moment. They were an important being. They mattered in my world. If someone would have attacked them, I would have defended them up until they hurt someone I cared about. And now, they are not human to me. They've ceased to be an important life form. They no longer have my goodwill or my graces. They no longer have my kindness or my sympathies. They have crossed that line. And I hope against hope that if someone ever puts me in that position, I hope against hope that if ever I'm in such a place, that some part of me that is human, some part of me that is kind and good, reaches through that unending rage and grabs me and stops me before I kill. But... Would the intent be there initially? Would the intent be there in that moment, in that split second that I moved? That would be what got me in front of my friend. And it would only be luck, possibly, or chance, or the grace of God, if you believe in it, or the grace of the force or the spirits or whatever it is you believe in that would save the person from my wrath. And then the damning part is a man who's practiced the Jedi path going on eight years I ask is that the path and then I also have to ask is it part of the path or is it something separate and I don't have a good answer everyone focuses on peace and harmony so much that they forget that this was a group that carried a laser chainsaw you know, a weapon without a stun setting you know it was something you only used when it was absolutely necessary. But if someone's hurting one of my friends, if someone's trying to harm someone I care about, to me, it becomes absolutely necessary, and I will become, at that moment, the blade that did not exist until it was needed. And when I'm done, I'll go back to being me again. I'll go back to being 
the kind, friendly, sensitive, caring person who loves everyone and doesn't want to see anyone hurt. But at that moment, I would become a sword. And swords only know how to do one thing. Well, now, see, here's the other thing. And I've noticed this with a lot of people. In Trigun, and we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna use Trigun and probably Doctor Who. Actually, I will be using Doctor Who because um, <laughs> I recently because got... I'm going through my regeneration cycle. You got to use Doctor Who. That no, I'm picking. I'm picking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the the entire series in Trigun, it's like. He believes that he's overcome his aggression by helping people over and over and over again. Really what he's been doing is he's been burying it. But he helps other people overcome their own aggressions. And this is something that's true of humans. Now, I was put into a situation where it was my best friend. Um, she, she, had, she was seriously depressed. So much so that at the time I had some empathy problems where I could not control my empathy. I've gotten a lot better since Iraq. But uh, when she and I went into a combative, not really a tournament, but a, a bout, as we call them, sparring match, there we go. She wanted to die so much that it, I almost killed her until somebody tapped me and was able to transfer the energy. This is what is really great about having other people around you and building up your, the, the connections that we all have. Our connections with people that are good natured help us continually keep from doing aggressive acts. We're hum humans are social animals. We follow what the crowd is following. So our uh, values, there we go, our values and our ethics are formed by the people that we keep in our company. And I mean physically keep in our company, not just online, because you can philosophize all day long about what you're going to do, how you're going to do this, but they're not there to actually judge you. Because they don't know everything that you do. But the people that we keep offline are. They know what's going to happen. They know when you go to jail, if you go, if you go to jail. People online just think, especially if you're not as prominent of a presence as, say, myself or Opie or Jester or something like that. They're not going to know the difference if you just disappear for a little while. But the people offline are. And these people are the ones that help us quite a bit. In Doctor Who... We saw what happened when he was alone by himself without a companion. And I think at some point in time, Amy Pond looks at him and says something to the effect of, or no, maybe it was Donna. Is this what you become when there's no one there, when you, when you have no one there to watch after you? I think it was Amy. And that's when it dawned on him, oh, fuck, I really have turned into a monster. <laughs> So, people around us are what keep us in check. 
it's not just our own states. It's going to be difficult for you to sit there and say, yeah, I'm always going to be able to do this. I'm always going to be able to do that. And he wants cookies. So I'll give me a second. <laughs> well, if Allie's going to be a second, you know, she brings up a really good point. Social animals, you know, which we are a social animal, really react to social conditioning. And that's why I said this question was so valuable. Because that question was asked in the middle of a Jedi trial. And I've got to always ask, was that the answer they wanted to hear? Or was that the truth? And here's the other thing. When you strip away everything else from a person, is that then the truth? Or is it only when you include all of those things that they hold on to that you have the truth? You know, that's why it works as such a good question. That's why hypotheticals can be so valuable for introspection, so long as the hypothetical is plausible. You know, this was what if a person comes up and hits someone you care about. This was not what if you were in the middle of the rainforest and there were alligators. Well, how the hell did I get in the middle of the rainforest? And, you know, why are the alligators chasing me? You know, why am I in the rainforest without my machete? Why don't I have a gun? Um, <laughs> yeah, how did I wind up here? And was I, like, tied up? Did I wind up here naked? Because apparently I did. They Apparently someone drugged me, stripped me, and threw me <laughs> into the rainforest. You know, those questions don't do much. Questions that you could face in a moment are more useful to ask and they what you're really asking is the intent and the core of a person you know and for me I like the question because it not only asks what I believe the core of who I am but also what I believe the core of a Jedi is do I believe it's right that we should not defend aggressively that we should use the least amount of force or do I believe that sometimes a greater amount of force is warranted see I've looked at a world that doesn't learn lessons also, unless they get unless it gets its ass whooped. I've looked at a world that only through an ass whooping does it learn anything. So a question like this also asks what I view of the person, you know. Is calling the police on them really going to make a difference? If they're willing to do something like that, they're willing to take that part of the, the repercussion. They're already aware of it. They're good for it, and they don't care. Um... Did they ever even conclude that the repercussion might be a 250-pound man beating them into the ground? You know, that's a whole other repercussion. That ain't jail time. In jail, they save your ass. They get, they get the 250-pound guy off of you. You know, there ain't no one going to pull, pull that person off of you. I would hope that if it was to happen at a Jedi gathering, that if I did lose control to protect someone, that not right away... Not right away. God, no. Give me at least five seconds. Someone would pull me off of this poor fool <laughs> after five seconds. I would hope that Allie would come and put a hand on my shoulder and be like, Charles, you need to stop. After five seconds, Allie. Just so you know, I get five seconds. <laughs> I get five seconds. I get five whole seconds. But after that, you walk up and be like, Charles? Yeah, so five seconds is one, two, three, four, five. No, it's one Mississippi. Two Mississippi, three right cross, four overhand, overhand right, you know? <laughs> and I'll demand that Andy keep count. He's the one running the stopwatch, because I know he'll use the stop. He has five seconds, go! 
So what? He's just supposed to hold me and just you think Flex, he's allowed to let me go? Yep. And then I ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and here's the other side of it. I don't think... This is, this is the other thing. I don't think any of you in a situation like that would have to drag me off of someone. I think putting your hand on my shoulder and be like, Charles, you got him, it's good, would be enough to bring me back. But I think if no one did that, we might it might be a little longer than five seconds before I, you know... <clears throat> Before I put my hand on my own shoulder and been like, oh, yeah, man, I'm good. <laughs> I wonder, given the person, if anybody would want to step in. I'd probably be the only one that would. <laughs> Allie, my fear is that with the person that Opie chose to use as an example was that people would be handing me things to hit them with. And the thing is, again, I'm not going to say the who and the what. I'm just going to say that uh, and this is for Opie, if he's listening, you really picked the wrong guy because the person you picked wouldn't have done it. Uh, there's a lot of people in the community that might walk up to someone I care about and hit them just to see what I do. And um, I think if Chaos thought that it would help me in some way, he might do it just to, if he thought it would help me advance. Um, <laughs> in which case, we'd find out how good his uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is because I'd be on him like white on rice and a glass of milk and a snowstorm. Um We'd, we'd find out if I really do know how to grapple. <laughs> but uh, that said, I'd do the same to anyone. You know, actually, I'd probably, Chaos would get more of my restraint. I'd pull myself back quicker because he's been a friend and is a friend. Um, but if it was just someone I have no compassion for to begin with, I don't have any compassion for him to begin with. You think I'm going to develop it while I'm beating on him? Maybe after they look beat up enough. Maybe after it's like, oh, wow, they look pathetic. Maybe I should stop making them look worse. But see, this is this comes back to the value of these questions. It's valuable if it's realistic. You could be at a group function and someone have a little bit too much to drink and just smack someone. You ready to deal with that? Do you know how to deal with it? There's a question that no one ever asks themselves. Can you deal with it? Because it does happen. See, that's the other question. What if it's you? Somebody got drunk and they pushed you. I'd be good with that. I, you know what? The oh, worst that I think I would do, if they were hitting me, I think the worst I would do is I, I might feel emotionally bad afterwards, especially if I had something to drink. Because, you know, me and, me and large quantities of alcohol never mix. So... If I had enough to drink to make myself emotionally vulnerable, I don't think I'd get angry at him for that. I'd probably get sad and go find a corner and cry. In which case, we would have Andy. In uh, five-second timer, click. You know, beating on that person. Um, or Mendes, or Ross, or Stan, or the whole Jedi gathering. We might even have you doing that, Allie, at that point. I don't know how you would react if you seen me in a corner crying after I got hit. <laughs> um... <laughs> But that's the thing. For me, I would, I would not just over console you and then do the womanly thing and guilt trip the guy. That is so honest and awesome. I like that. You'd you'd be like, "Are you okay?" And you'd go over. You see what you did to him. <laughs> How do you feel like a big man now? <laughs> Mind you, you'd be doing that while Andy was beating his face and Ross was a uh, practicing no, a form of chiropractic. I would stop him first, and then I would go and I would do the, the motherly thing also and tell him that he has to apologize to you or her. 
Yeah. And see, that's the thing. I can tell you I would stand and take a beating because I've done it. When I was in when I was in school, this is what most people don't know. You know, elementary through middle school, I stood up for the littler kids because I was the bigger kid, but I didn't do it through violence. I did it by stepping in the way and letting the other person hit me. And I came home. That's, that's how I got into karate. My father got tired of me coming home with black eyes, bloody nose, split lip. Um, never had to get stitches for it. My clothes were always caked in dirt from where I had been uh, rolling around because after they realized that they couldn't hit me anywhere hard enough to knock me down, uh, two or three of them would drag me to the ground and rub me in the dirt if they could. I was as close to the to a pure passive defensive as you could get. And I was put in karate to understand one thing, and it wasn't how to block or how to punch. It was that defense begins with offense and that you can't protect people if you're in the ground being run into the dirt. So that's the other thing. When I tell you I can honestly say if someone hit me, I would just let them unless I thought they were truly dangerous to me. Yeah, I would, because until they've done enough that they, they are a danger to me, that I recognize them as a threat to my life and my safety, they're not worth it. If all they did was bruise my, my face and bloody my nose a little, that's fine. Now, if they're coming back for punch number two, I gotta believe that they intend to do more, and if it's more than just smacking me around and calling me names, I gotta do something because I'm not protecting me anymore. I'm not. I'm, I'm, it's this is the thing. You may think I'm protecting me, but I'm not. I'm protecting you, Allie, and I'm protecting I'm protecting Lou and Ross and Andy and everyone else because you all want to talk to me again. You all want me there in your lives, and at that point, I'm no longer standing up for me. That that line was crossed with the first smack. I didn't care about that, but if they're actually beating on me at that phase, I've got to recognize they could remove my life, and that means I've got to come back. And now I am going to beat them into the ground for trying to hurt your friend. That's how I view it. And that's the other side of it, you know. I have defended myself before from aggression, primarily for other people, for their sake. Now, see, that's another thing. Aggression doesn't have to come in physical means either. I kind of brought it up also. I would go over there and do the womanly thing. Well, women fight with words. Oh, man, we gossip, we do all sorts of things, and I all of it, and I do too. Especially since now that I'm in a workplace that is boring not to, not to talk about something that everybody else is talking about, because they don't like to talk about philosophical stuff. Yeah, you, the you, you guilt trip show hosts into hosting shows, too. <laughs> I had to say it. <laughs> I love you. but I, I love you too, Allie. <laughs> I really do. But that's the thing is that words also can be used. Um, right now, I'm I'm being told by somebody else that they feel that I'm just being a gossip because I'm warning people about them. And I I did warn one person about them, and they're like, you know, it's getting old. And uh, my whole thing was, okay, well, I'm I'm doing it to protect pre future students. That's all. I'm not going to say anything else about it afterwards. All right, fine. Whatever. And, you know, as always, a person's got to have the last line. So they got their last line. But the point of the matter is, is that there comes a point when you're not doing it to be in defense of other people. 
you're not doing it because nice. you, you were doing it for good natured nice. stuff. There does come a point when you're doing it just out of spite. Just because you're hateful and it's the only way you know how to fight. And at one point in time with this particular individual, yeah, that's exactly what it was. I was spiteful. I hated the guy. I don't actually hate him anymore. I just dislike the fact that I know he can be better. And he's not. This, this comes down to aggressive defense also, Allie. You're yeah. taking an active defensive stand, and this comes back to the, if someone smacked one of your friends, here's the other thing. If they smacked them hard enough that I'm stepping in the way, they've got to have knocked them down or hurt them. This isn't just a smack to the face. A smack to the face, I'd be pissed. I'd probably push the person for it and cue them out, you know? Um, but if they hit them hard enough to actually get my attention, like actually trip the wire, as it were, some part of me is still defending. It's just defending in an ag aggressive way. And this is the thing. You're defending in an aggressive way. You're going after them verbally. But it's an aggressive defense. It's not no, a, passive de a passive defense would be like, well, you know, have you heard about this person and have you done any research? Which would be planting the thought or uh, giving them some idea. An active one would be like, have you heard about this person and here are the records from the past 10 years, which is what you've been doing, to my understanding. Records out there. I, I didn't put the records out there. I just told him, hey, he's been known to do this, and he's been uh, he's been known to do this, so just keep an eye out on it. That way you're aware. And that is kind of passive. Aggressive is, yeah, when I was saying, hey, here's the entire document. Right, That's but here's the thing. They're both defense. They're just different levels of defense, and they're different intents within the defense. The, the thing that gets me, the, the thing that gets me, our community is so Buddhist, and I have nothing against Buddhists, but we've become so passive that we believe that there's no such thing as an aggressive defense, and honestly, sometimes the only thing that works is an aggressive defense, and honestly, if you're questioning, hey, do I need to use an aggressive defense in this instance? You probably do need to. Because you're questioning it because you know you need to. You've just been conditioning yourself not to. Well, yeah. Honestly, here's the yeah. Is that aggression, overcoming aggression is overcoming the intent behind it. If you use it in anger, if you use any aggressive postures in anger, that's when you have not overcome aggression. And that's kind of where I was going with that. Now, that said, it's something that you every situation that you find yourself in. It's not something that you overcome altogether. You by overcoming it situation by situation. Right, and I can give a real-world example of this, okay? There are times when you don't need anger, but you have it. And I can give you the best example. Uh, and I, I had this talk with my manager, and me and her are cool, so this isn't going to hurt any feelings if she listens to my show at some point. Uh, I had a manager say something to me that really upset me, okay? I'm not going to get into all the details, but I was mad. I was shaking mad. That's how I said I know when I get angry enough, I get shaking. Because I don't want to let that anger out. Especially not in the middle of work. Especially not while I'm on the clock. But even then, off the clock, I didn't want it out. So I waited until I was completely, not completely 
under control, but completely under enough control that I knew I could deal with the rest of the situation to talk to them. And they said, oh my God, I had no idea that I'd hurt you that bad, that what I said had any impact. I was just joking around. And I said, yeah, I know that. And some part of me knew that then, which is why I took the time to get to where I'm at now to talk to you about it so that we can air this out without it becoming a problem. And, you know, we had a really uh, good talk about it, and it was, uh, there was no real problem at the end of it, you know. They had uh, made a request that sounded like a demand on something that they shouldn't be able to demand on. And I felt insulted because I felt like I was being belittled in my job. And it was not a big deal, really. But here's the thing. If I had allowed anger to rule the day, it would have been a big deal. If I, would have, if I would have picked up the phone and body slammed it on the counter and walked out punching the clock out, not hitting the buttons, but punching the clock out, right? That would have been the end of my job there. And everyone would have wondered why I just snapped. Anger could have ruled the day. But would it have been the right thing? See, right is dependent on each circumstance. There's a big difference between letting anger control you and recognizing that you're angry and you're going to do something about it. And that's one of the problems that we have in the community with people that come in and they hear that first line. There is no emotion, there is only peace. They think, okay, that means I need to get rid of my emotion. But that's not what it is. You need to overcome it, learn what you're supposed to do with it, or do with the knowledge of what it tells you. And then jump over the obstacle. Like it. Well, yeah. And, you know, with that, people focus so much on conquering aggression, as it were, conquering anger, they never, under, they never realize that without that emotional impulse, they wouldn't have done anything. If I had no emotional attachment to not seeing people hurt, I'd be watching someone get beat down in the street, and I'd be like, oh, well, not my problem. And that's not healthy either. In fact, that's the opposite of healthy. That's actually the opposite of Jedi. It's the opposite of every path that we've pushed for. It's the opposite of everything I've ever done, that's for sure. So, you know, in an instance, you're going to do what you do. And, you, yeah, if you get pushed to the point where your threshold for anger breaks, you might beat someone into the ground. The question is, at that moment that you become rational, and you will, no one goes into a rage for a straight hour, you know, no one goes into a rage all, all day long. What are you going to do once you have full control of your own senses? It's one thing to snap because of outrage, it's another thing to let that snap completely control you. I believe that people have a threshold point for how angry they can get before they do lose control. And like I said, if I can get the shakes from being insulted verbally, uh, imagine what could happen from watching someone get hurt. But on the other side of that, is that a bad impulse? Well, the impulse itself is good. It's me protecting someone. The question is, is there any part of me that would get control? And this is for everyone out there. Is there any part of you out there listening to this that would get control, or would you let yourself become the animal? And at the end of the day, if you're listening to this, you're probably the kind of person who thinks enough about it to know that you would get control, to know that you wouldn't let yourself become an animal for this. Because 
it just wouldn't be you. Now, that's the other side of it. Once you've got someone on the ground and they're beating them into the ground, once you do have control again, are you going to continue? I'll tell you this, without the impetuous of the anger, without the rage still burning from what they've done, because it cools quick, it really does. Yeah, after the initial repercussion, as it were, of me charging in, I don't think I could just beat on someone once they were down. I don't think once the anger itself had been exhausted, that's only going to take a couple punches. You know, I don't think I could just sit there and beat on someone. I think, though, that in the moment I was doing it, I, I would believe that I was going to continue for a day and a half. It would probably feel like a day and a half to them, but it probably amounts to something more like five seconds or ten seconds. You know, anger has its place. I, I'm going to say this, and this is going to be controversial. You, you love controversy, don't you, Allie? It makes our shows... Uh, controversy. I'll argue with somebody, just argue with them. I'll make up some outlandish, outlandish statement like Newton was wrong just to have an argument. I know you will. So <laughs> I, I think anger has its place in the Jedi path. Because anger is an antithesis to fear. And it's an antithesis to paralyzation of a moment. That it can be a jump starter. I think it's necessary to get angry sometimes. Because it gets us moving in a direction. You know, without anger, we become too passive. Without, But that's the same as without joy. You know, I believe joy and love have a place in the path. I believe kindness as well as cruelty have places within the path. That it's understanding the when and the where. Okay? If someone walks up, Allie, if someone walks up to you and, I don't know, uh, they walk up to you and they're like, oh my god, I love sleeping with your sister, just to piss you off one day, I may get a little angry at that, you may be chuckling by this point. Oh, I am. Um, I would get angry at that, but it would not be the right time and place for me to go, you know, for me, on your behalf, to turn into the Hulk. It's not time for an ass whooping. That person has not earned themselves their ass whooping yet, as Andy once said. Andy once said uh, about an individual that if they did something to earn an ass whooping, they'd receive it, and if they didn't, they wouldn't. This was in a conversation him and I had, and I think it fits. If if the person has earned themselves their ass whooping, anger is the most valuable emotion I can have because it is a testament to my strong will for the ideals that I believe in and for the things I care about. However, have they earned my wrath? You know, in that instance, that person hasn't earned my wrath. If I beat that person to death for a minor insult verbally, then I've become a monster. I've become a tyrant. And if I, even if I could get away with it, even if, even if President Obama phoned me up and be like, Chuck, you get one. You get one. This is your day. You get one. <laughs> one? Really? One? You, you get one. <laughs> you know... If I beat that person to death, if that's my one, and call back up, President, I took my one, you took your one, yeah. Even if I could get away with it, I've now become a monster. I've now become everything I stood against, because there's no good reason for it. On the other side of that, Allie, if someone smacked you into the ground, I'd pulverize them. You know, it would be a race between me, Nathan, and Andy to see which one of us got there first. And the thing that no one realizes is that, much like a dwarf, I am an excellent sprinter, very dangerous across short distances. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But that would be earned. That would be something that was a repercussion comparative to what they'd done. It's a physical action. It's a physical response. It's causing pain and it's returning the pain. It is a harmonizing and a balancing of actions. Now, to kill them for it, I'd hope not. I'd hope that I wouldn't. I would have to believe, much as when we get angry and we vent, that it gets the anger out of us. Okay, it's so what, physical... what about the mm -hmm. saying that violence beget violence? That's a fine theory. And uh, why did they smack you again? Am I upholding it as a truth? It's Is that a saying that tells you what not to do, or is that a saying that explains the way the world works? See, that's the thing that people don't always want to look at. You take a, you take a statement like that, and that's from the Bible, correct? Violence begets violence. I know where it came from. Even though I'm Christian, it might be from the Bible. It is, it is. Getting anger is fine, it's healthy. Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other man to die. There you go. That's a good one. I like that one. I like that. And here's the thing. I agree with that. That's why I say at that moment, anger is useful. Besides, now, here's the other thing. Okay, once I beat this person in the ground, let's say that people pull me off of them, okay? Once it's done, it's over. Let it go. Right. <laughs> That's my point. Once I'm out of the rage, once I've exhausted the anger, it's done. I'm not angry at that point. I have no reason to be. And now, if they go and do it again, I'm going to wonder why they're suicidal and they've chosen me as their knife. But, <laughs> I mean, seriously, they seen what happened the last time, right? Yeah. If they get back up and they walk back up to Allie and they want to start a foot race between, you know, you, me, and Andy again, I'm going to be like, what the hell? I don't know. What would you I'm do with the Daleks? Exterminate. Oh, God. They just keep coming back. Exterminate. Hmm? They just keep coming back. Them and the Cybermen. And see, this is where I differ from the Doctor. This is where you want to pull characters from from different things. I am more like Ichigo from Bleak in the last fight with Genjo. When you've determined that this person's just going to keep coming back, when you've determined that they've crossed that line and you are the only thing that can stop them, you have a responsibility to stopping them. Like something like the Daleks. Okay, this person's got a get-out-of-jail-free pass from Obama. He called them up and he said, you get a hundred thousand. I gave Chuck one, I'm giving you a hundred thousand. You know, they can they can murder, maim, kill, or destroy. And nothing can stop them. Yeah, they can. I can. I can. Yep. And then they'll impeach Obama for even fucking suggesting the idea. <laughs> well, yes, and then the world would be a better place in general. Well, actually, this sounds like a great plan. we got to contact Yeah, Obama. I know, right? <laughs> One way to get him out of office. Hold on now. I'm trying to get the co-star. None of that talk. And get him out of office. <laughs> None of that talk. I can't have that opinion. You can't, but I can. Allie, you, we're not discussing your... You, you don't have an opinion as it concerns this. <laughs> but, but more seriously. At the point at which a person has become such a threat... The only way to stop them is to kill them. And this is this comes down to the question, you know, if I walk up behind someone who's shooting people, and I know, look, I'm, I'm a decent martial artist, but I can't wrestle a guy to the ground with a gun, but I can snap his neck in two seconds, okay? I'm behind this person. They don't know that I'm there. I will cry at their funeral, okay? I will visit their grave, and I will I will say to their soul, why did you put yourself in a situation 
where I would be doing this. But you know what? That's as far as my sympathy for them would go, because that's after the fact. At that moment, someone has to do something. I can't wrestle them to the ground. They're twice my size or what have you, and they've got a gun. I know one, I know one thing that will stop them. Stopping them. I guarantee you, once they're stopped, they're stopped. There's your real-life Dalek. Because the thing is, a creature like the Daleks, it's a great idea, but you never run into it. But what if it was just a man with a gun, and you were behind them? They didn't know you were there. Well, all I was really? talking about, you know, he, he's had, uh, Doctor Who has had multiple incidents where he could have just flat-out killed them all. But instead, like, one of the one of the incidents, he just puts them back in another, in, like, the in-between the two universes thing. Oh, boy. All those of them. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. He's found so many inventive ways to not kill them. But also consider this, okay? He thought he did kill them at one point. Well, that's true. So, this is, you've got to factor in, okay? Even the doctor at some point looked over and said, uh, to borrow a quote, no more. At some point, he said, this is went as far as, you know, no more. And at that moment, he did that. But here's the thing. Can you... They're on DOS characters, and faces in reality. They really are. I'll give you that. But... Go ahead. <laughs> I could say the same thing about Jesus. <laughs> what, what, what are they? I said, they're idealized characters with no basis in reality. Right, there's no enemy there's no enemy that could be that vicious. You cannot give me an enemy that I kill that I can kill and they get back up, okay? Um if you could, we would bring them to the gathering as the ultimate sparring partner. Um you really you keep no no enemy can be that vicious, no enemy can be that relentless. Everybody sleeps sometime, except for the Daleks. I don't know, I wailed on my fridge one time, it's still standing. <laughs> well, now here's the thing. Okay, that's true. But you tell me that you, with your vast intellect, can't think of one way to destroy that fridge. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing C4, possibly, dynamite, yes? No way, you know. No. You give me far too little credit. <laughs> oh, this is, and see, this is my point, though. A true enemy that could never be beaten? Um, in a situation like that, the hypothetical runs into the, impo the impossible. I can't kill him anyway, so I might as well try. But an enemy that keeps coming back, eventually you have to make a choice. And even the doctor made the choice. Oh, death. Or time. Right, exactly. These are enemies that you can't kill. Can't kill them. There's no way to do it. And they're relentless. You can defeat death as many times as you want. It's always going to come back. Exactly. So, looking at a realistic enemy, something that you could face, the question is, do you do the world a disservice by not ending them at that point? And then the other side the other side of that question is the question even possible. I have not met any enemy that is that relentless in my life. I have never had anyone that gung-ho on hurting me and those around me. Except possibly except possibly the president. 
I'm sorry I had to throw that in there. I'm making a joke. Okay, I have to say this for my own skin. I have no ill will there towards... There is no one listening to your conversation. Relax. Except for the NSA, and the NSA doesn't give a shit. Actually, this is a radio show. Oh, okay. That doesn't matter. No one important is listening to it. Whatever. Sorry, I, in all honesty, no joke, have no ill will towards the president. Likewise. Likewise. Not like Obama. I don't have ill will towards him. I just don't like the motherfucker. <laughs> I have yeah. no ill will towards him. I just do not like Obamacare. That's the only thing I have a gripe with him on. That and he can't seem to get to get anybody to work together. Sorry. And that's just basically that's more their problem than his. So I didn't know you guys were on the air. So y'all been screaming at each other this whole time. I feel sorry for the listeners. Holy crap. <laughs> Oh, screaming at each other, Mackay screaming in the background. Oh no, that was an earlier radio show. <laughs> uh, it was still five minutes ago. Well, yeah. not too bad. <laughs> uh, well, I told him at the beginning of the show that he would be there, right? Didn't I? Yes, you did, and he and he he uh, spoke up to agree with you. Hey, there you go. They had pre-warning. But that that's. that's the what it boils down to is that overcoming aggression is not about overcoming anger. It's about or overcoming your anger altogether. It's about learning to deal with what comes from your anger. And that's going to be something that you fight every time you get angry. It's going to be a battle. Or over time. Altogether. It doesn't work like that. And see, I want to say on that also, there's a difference between overcoming the result of your anger and understanding that your anger is moving you in a direction. The thing is, anger does one of two things. It either moves you to exactly where you want to go or it moves you to where you don't want to go. And you've got to be able to make that judgment. You know, if someone hurts a friend of mine, someone close to me, I get angry. And that anger puts me right where I want to be. It makes me just who I want to be at that moment. And I don't deny that. I don't even try to avoid it. On the other side of that, if someone inconveniences a friend of mine, you know, the hurt is minor, the impact is not going to be lasting, it's not even going to be all that violent. If someone insults a friend of mine, I may get anger, but I recognize that anger is putting me in a place that I don't want to go. It's moving me in a direction I don't want to move in at that moment. This is, this is the thing. You have to decide who you want to be in your life at any moment, in every moment. In every moment, you've got to decide who you're going to be and determine whether or not the anger is moving you towards that or away from it. Truth is, I'd want to beat someone into the ground for hurting a friend of mine. I feel it's right. I feel it's justified at that point. If they've caused true physical harm to a friend of mine, they've earned it. They've earned they, you know, they've earned me becoming a chef. I'm going to beat thoroughly, put them in the oven until they're done. But what is your but, friend? In fact, is Lou here? Lou, you in? Hmm. I guess she's not able to get in. But yeah, you're not going to get Lou to speak on a live radio show. Me, me and Derek barked up that tree uh, about a month ago. It doesn't happen. <laughs> but what is 
what if that's not what the other person wants you to do? Like we, we can sit there and we can say, Hey, what if, you know, the, the person is, um, the dead person doesn't want you to do that because they wouldn't want, but they're dead. You don't really know. You can't speculate. So we're, we're going to talk about somebody that's physically there. They were smacked down. They're still conscious and they're looking at you like what happened with the, Oh, the doctor who episode. What? What's Because they're what people recognize. They, they and because people don't read books anymore. We would use books, but no one's reading them. So. Um. You know, it's sad as that's actually not true. There's more books being read per capita now than there was back in the freaking fifties. Well, I know that, but it was it was funny nonetheless. Yeah. That's a huge library on that planet, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Anyways, um, the there's a Doctor Who episode where the um, where Mama, Richard Song finally comes up out from Mel Melody, and Mama, she, killed, she quote unquote kills the Doctor. So every so this this group is like, okay, she's killing the Doctor. We gotta arrest her. And he goes, and he's like, no. Don't do that. Because, you know, I love her. And even though she doesn't understand it at the time, uh, what's going on, and he still fights for her to be able to be free and do yada yada this and that and let her live her, her life, right? So what happens in the instance of you... You go through and... Um, the uh, um, you go through and let's say they they smack me like knock me down to the point where I I can't do anything but I recognize let's say that I recognize something that you don't recognize and I sit there and I say Charles no don't do it it's not what I want. I'd probably stop long enough to ask why. And if I got a good reason, I'd stop. I, I would prevent myself from going on the offensive. And if the reason was, I don't believe in violence, I'd be like, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, you'll believe in it when, you'll be, you, you, you won't believe in fairies till you see them either, but you'll believe in, you'll believe in violence when I'm done because you're going to see it. <laughs> bad joke, but you know. The truth of it is if you could give a good reason when I stop, because I would stop. I would hold myself in check. I would keep my fist at bay long enough to hear why. So I'll be it, honest. So if you really could say, if you could say they're under post-traumatic stress syndrome, if you could say that they have a, they have a disease and if you hit them, it's going to shatter their skull. I wouldn't do it at that point. But if it was, I don't believe in violence. I'd be like, well, I'm going to make a believer out of you. And what if I said, and what if I was like, I'm going to hate you forever? At what point does the opinion of the other person matter? Or not matter? You know, the question there for me... Wow, see, that that's a good one. Um, because if you think about it, that's how most of our system, our legal system is set up. If my husband abuses me, 
I'm the one that has to press charges unless he kills me. If he kills me, then the state gets to press charges. Or if he puts me in a coma where I, where I might never wake up again, I think it works that the state can press charges. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Honestly, I think I would let that person live, as it were. I wouldn't even hurt them. But I'd disown you at that point. I'd just be like, yeah, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. If you're going to let yourself be subjected to stuff like that, I'm done. But that's that's part of my... At that point, I've dishonored myself, and you've dishonored me by stopping me. My code of ethics, my code of honor, my view of the world is as it is, and you would no longer be my friend at that point. I'd be like, you know, it was good knowing you. Bye. Which is very harsh, isn't it? But here's the thing. If I stop myself from doing what is right for you, that is me putting all of my concepts of right and wrong out the window for you. And I'll do that for any friend one time. But I only do it one time. And then I'd walk away. You'd never hear... You'd be like, Charles who? Not Doctor Who, but Charles who? <laughs> yeah. You know, that would, be, that would be the new question. Charles who? People would forget about me. Not literally, but you know, I, might, I might have that level of power at this point for a situation like that. I'd certainly have the emotional energy to move it. What if the response was, I want to get back at him. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But in the future, I will make sure karma gets back at him. Then how do you respond? Well, by that point, this person has gotten up and is running for their life because they 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 just had a 250-pound man draw back, and they know that if they stick around, they're going to get hit. So I'd look at this person running as fast as they could. <laughs> you know, I'd look back at you, and I'd be like, what the hell, Allie? <laughs> um, but would you let me go through with that? <laughs> Would you let somebody else go through with something like that? I'm gonna let. I'm gonna be the one to issue the karma for them for doing what they did to me. At what point does it also become an issue of it's my pride versus? No, at that point, that's you're you're requesting your right to vengeance. I'm good for that. Okay, so I you would, don't. I would stop myself if I if I've already hit the person and knocked them down. If you didn't get to me before that, I'd pick them up. I'd set them on a chair and I'd be like, "Be glad she's going after you." And then I'd walk away. So then you, you're you okay with that person, even especially because I specifically use me because I'm a Jedi. Are you okay with me as a Jedi doing that? Or would you lose respect for me as a Jedi because I want to issue vengeance when what you were trying to do was something different? You were trying to get him to never do it again. This is the thing. There's, there's, no, there's no difference between vengeance and justice. I've seen nothing to imply to me that any existence of a difference exists. The only difference is the level of result. Justice would be you finding a way to make sure he never wanted to do that again. Whereas vengeance, in only the form of vengeance, vengeance without justice would be where you killed him outright. So long as you weren't going to kill them for the insult, and so long as your repercussion was comparative to the insult paid... I'd be good for it. Now, if you were going to cripple them for life for it, I'd stop you. As a Jedi, because you're now moving beyond any concept of justice. 
you know, I've went through the book, The Road I Walk, and it's been a good one for getting me to question a lot of things as well as see a lot of things and then go back and forth on those same things. And in it, it says justice is the highest point for a Jedi. It is what we strive for. It is the essence of what we do. And I've got to agree with that. I also recognize that vengeance is a part of justice. And that even in understanding that justice is not what is right for you, but is what is right for the world, then it must be also vengeance that is not just right for you, but is right for the world. They've stepped outside the bounds of common decency, and what is right for the world is to put them back in those bounds, which is a form of vengeance. It is violence, and it is aggression meant to cause harm for harm paid, but it's harm for harm paid in a way that corrects the problem, in a way that acts as a solution to this. It is a type of vengeance, but it is still vengeance. And if you want to be the one to extract your own vengeance, I have no problem with that at all. So long as it is a justified vengeance. So long as at the end of the day, you weren't going to do more than what was done. And by the same token, again, even in the midst of a blood rage, I would want to be pulling myself back in to make sure that I didn't do more than what they'd earned. Don't be wrong, they've earned, they've earned a beatdown. But where they've earned a couple black eyes and maybe a bloodied or broken nose, they probably don't deserve to have all their teeth shattered on a sidewalk. They probably don't deserve to have all of their ribs broken or their fingers broken one by one. And yeah, these are things that they could do enough to earn that. You know, if I, if I come in and I see you in a huddled mass, broken and beaten and torn apart, um, that person's earned a lot more than if they just smacked you. They've, they've earned a different kind of vengeance. They've earned a different kind of justice because it must be made clear to them and the rest of the world that might view them that this was not acceptable and that they are now paying a price for its unacceptability. That is what is right for the world, as well as what is right for you, as well as what is right for me, what is right for them, what they've earned. That is the difference between justice, but I do not believe justice exists without vengeance. I don't believe there's any ideal of it without vengeance because it, by its very nature, is vengeful. We try to divorce it from the personal by creating a system and calling it justice, but it's still vengeance. It's just vengeance by the court. And it's quote-unquote more humane. Do you think that's a problem? I think the problem is that it's reached a point where it no longer is more humane. It's reached a point where it is less humane and yet less impacting. We rob a man of his freedom for beating a woman. But we do not rob him of his drive to do that again. We rob him of his life, his time on this earth, but we do not give him a repercussion that causes his mind to say, yes, there is pain involved with doing this. This is coming back to the question of should you ever spank a child? And if it stops them from putting a fork in an electric socket, yes, you should so that they understand that that pain they receive, being lesser than the electric socket, is greater than a simple scolding verbally. You know, what we're dealing with is an adult child at that point. They've not learned. They've not learned that if you beat someone up, or if you smack a woman, you know, if you're a, a husband beating on a wife, they haven't learned that to do this, is unacceptable and there is a painful result for it. So we pain them less. We pain them in the least painful way possible, so much less that the mind never develops a pattern of understanding that you will get hurt for this. 
and our justice system has failed. Honestly, for violent crimes, I believe violent punishment is warranted. I believe we should bring back flogging. And a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but for a violent crime, an abusive crime, a degree of pain has to be issued because that's how we learn. We learn what not to do by what hurts. We learn what to do by what feels good. That's human nature. And to try to pretend that it is different is full of Fair enough. I should say copla at the end of a sentence like that, shouldn't I? <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> hey, and on that note, we have three different episodes chosen here. Ah! Four, because we brought Bleak in, too. Oh, yes, we did. Two animes and two live actors. And uh, the cop law would be, for those that don't know from Star Trek, I probably sounded very Klingon. They do not know what they did was wrong, so we must beat that into them so they understand. Cop law. <laughs> this is the, the thing, though. The question of justice and vengeance in this is also a question of circumstance and event. I can deliver a level of justice in 10 seconds that I cannot guarantee the police can deliver. Moreover, I can't guarantee the police can even do anything about it. Like you said, if you're not willing to press charges. So, in that moment, one has to react not only on what they know, but what they feel is right. What they feel is justified and good in the world. But that's different for everyone in every moment. I would be very shocked to run into a situation like that. Because I think, honestly, if you were being beat on alley, you'd grab something and hit the person with it. And I would expect that of any of my friends, that you'd be trying to defend yourself so you wouldn't be in a hopeless situation against this person. But at the same time, you know, you pursue that hypothetical to its conclusion that you were defenseless at that point. My reaction is going to be a combination of vengeance in its purest sense, and justice in its purest sense. As one cannot really exist without the other, but the other can exist without the one. You can have you can have vengeance without justice, but you cannot have justice without vengeance. I would be simply choosing that since I was in a state of vengeance to temper it with justice. And again, it depends on the level of it. I'll be honest, the other side of that is if they've knocked you to the ground and they just turn their back and start walking away, it would be really hard for me to get up the raw fire needed to grab them by the back of their hair and bang them into the ground head first, which would be the ideal thing to do, mind you, but it would take a, it would be very hard for even me in a state of rage to want to do that because whatever concept of battle was there has now been removed. They're whatever no concept... What's that? that? They're no longer facing you. It's no longer it's no longer me defending. Now there goes a step beyond that. If they've killed you, they have no reason to stand there. This isn't them intimidating you. They've done the ultimate level of intimidation. You no longer are a threat to anyone. And at that point, I would grab them by the back of the hair because they've now crossed a different line. The first line was them exercising a control over a friend in a violent way. This they've exercised the ultimate control and therefore I would have the ultimate response. My anger would be complete at that point. They would face me with fuel with full fury for about 10 seconds. 
Um, I don't believe I would beat them to death, though. I would just kill them at that point, which is different because I'm no longer looking to cause them harm so they'll never do it again. I'm just looking to make sure they'll never do it again. That's a different response. And that's an honest evaluation. Now, might I stop myself when I realized what I was doing? I might stop myself because I realized that the law would not agree with what I did. But that would be it. Again, if I get the phone call, Chuck, you've got one. Good, because I need one right now. That would be my response, and I would, I would use my one. Now, this is the one for all the Jedi to ask themselves. Because I ask myself all the time. I don't get a free pass. Everybody else gets to sit around and say, yeah, I'm a Jedi. I get a free pass on asking this question every day. No, you don't. No, you don't. For you, the listener out there, you got to ask yourself, where's the line for you? And what do you really, really feel about it? Because it's really easy to say, I'm a Jedi and I would never do that. But it's really hard to say, I'm a Jedi and... Yeah, I might do that. But there are circumstances where I will cross that line because that line's been crossed already. And the thing is, it's really easy to say I hold this ideal and I, I can never be bent or broken because that's a lie and lies are easy. It's really hard to tell a truth and say, yeah, I know where my line ends. I know where the person's went too far. Now... If anyone out there is listening to this and it causes them to ask that question, it causes them to look at their lies and their truths and find out which one is which, that's great. And I would say that's more important to being a Jedi, more important to the path than holding to a lie or trying to drill the lie into yourself. Because the truth is, who you are is who you're going to be. The truth is, my monitor just went off for a split second there. That was neat. Um, I hadn't moved my mouse for a little bit and it just like, the truth is, my monitor went away. No, the truth is, who you are is who you're going to be. And I have always held that the Jedi path is a path of training, with the philosophy being the most minor part of it. It's a path of skill, and it's a path of, of aiming to mold yourself into a certain set of abilities, a set of things that make you who you are. And some of that is control of the self. But you must also recognize that the Jedi path is also one of honesty. And for everyone listening out there, I'm asking you, you know, you got your New Year's resolution, you got your New Year's meditation with Allie going on. I'm asking you to also take this year and ask yourself who you really are. Not just as a Jedi, because again, trying to drill it into yourself and trying to uphold a lie is easy. But ask the truth of yourself. You know, I wish we had him on the line right now, but I've talked to Andy a lot about this. And I'll be, you know, I'll be real honest with you. If someone was to backhand you, Allie, and knock you straight to the ground, Andy would beat their ass. And if they were to kill you, Allie, he would kill them in response. They'd have earned their death that day. That's knowing him as well as I do. But he's also very honest. He tells you, yeah, I'm a Jedi. It's what I do. It's who I am. It's how I live my life. And there's also a line you can cross that goes from justice to vengeance. There's a line you can cross where you've stomped so much on my pride and so much on my dignity by causing harm to someone I care about that you are now dealing with a Jedi who's going to take all of that training and all of that skill and all of that self-control and they're going to hone it 
into making sure you never do that again to the degree that you did it. Does if it was it a physical action, what's that? Does it matter if it's somebody you care about? Let's say you witness you somebody kill somebody else. You know, I don't know if I would have the rage to kill that person there. I don't know if I would lose that much of my humanity in that moment that I would kill them. I'd probably beat them within an inch of their life, and they may wind up stepping over that inch. Does that make any sense? Yeah. But it would not be a decision to end them right then and there. It would be a decision to stop them from ever doing it again because of the emotional context. And again, that depends on who it was they killed. And it depends on how they killed the person. If they killed the person in a stand-up, honest-to-God fight, I wouldn't do anything. It's not my problem. I know that sounds funny, but if it was two equals fighting each other, facing each other, it's not my problem at that point. Now, if they did it to someone who's obviously weaker than them, or someone who's unarmed or unable to defend themselves, now it's my problem. Now it's my problem because the world shouldn't be like that, even though it is. And I'm going to make sure that it isn't going to be like that, for this person at least, next time. I'm going to make sure that the next person doesn't die like that. That they die of old age or some illness or something. That they don't die at the hands of a bully. But it depends on the vulnerability of the person. If it was a child that they'd done it to, I would have the same response because that's an emotional conditioning. And I'm well aware of that. You know... The human condition is very simple. We view our friends closer to us than the unknown, and we view all children as our friends. It's what's built into who we are. Now, there are levels of that, you know? It's very circumstantial. But if it's just a random killing in the street, I don't know that my anger would be moved to that degree. I would do something about it, certainly. Um, I'd probably make use of everything that I've learned from you in gaining a good detailed description of this person, the events, and the area around them. And I'd probably get a hold of the police, unless I felt this person was going to kill again immediately. I might even wrestle them to the ground for the police to get there. But it probably wouldn't be my problem completely. That said, I don't know. I know that I'm more likely to defend someone I care about than someone I don't. Do you think that's a problem? As Jedi, do you believe that's something that you should have no discernment over whether or not the person's a friend or not? Well, it all depends on whether or not you read that there is no emotion, there is peace as a statement of existence within the Force and understanding how it works, or whether you consider it an absolute as to how you should try to manipulate your own emotions. For me, I see it as a state of being within the Force. I can be in complete peace in a state of rage while immersed in the Force. I can be peaceful within my rage. I can be very much in that state of raw aggression and yet be at a complete state of peace as well. It sounds impossible, but there is a state that is like that, or that is that. And I believe that such a state is the kind obtained when an emotion becomes overwhelming and one seeks that peace, even in the midst of the emotion, to make a decision. Do I believe there should be something different? I think for most people there can't be anything different. I think for most people 
their choice is to recognize that line as a state of being in the force and accept that they're going to care about their friends and their family more than random stranger and to live their life accordingly and still do as much good as they can for the random stranger but not to be as emotionally attached whereas for their friends for their family for the people they care about that emotional attachment is there and it's healthy I believe as a Jedi if I tried to change that within myself I would be failing myself I would be failing humanity and I'd be failing the force because all of those things have contributed to me being the person who's going to see it in that way. How's that for how's that for an answer? That's an answer. My answer is that there should be no difference between how you react to someone some random person getting killed and a friend. Unless unless you're talking about all your friends being on your side of the battlefield and then the enemy being on the other side of the battlefield, then it shouldn't matter. They, if it's a stranger on your side, you should react by killing the other side. If a stranger on the other side, maybe you shouldn't really care. Well, see, and if you know what I'm saying, would, on the battlefield, rules are a little different. <laughs> and see, I would disagree. I would say life is a battlefield. And it's the only battlefield that most people ever know. That's not what I mean. That, well, no, I no, mean, hear me out. Okay. You're talking about an actual battlefield, but I'm saying that every day is a type of war that you fight. And that the rules are really no different. Here's the thing. What I think you're asking is also a question of remorse. Would I feel any remorse for having killed a person if they killed one of my friends? Yes, I would. I would feel bad for that life being taken. I'd feel bad for their parents and their friends and everyone who loved them. It would move me emotionally, but it would not impact me as strongly as the death of my friend did. You know, that would be why I'd be willing to do that. The other side of that is I would equally have that same emotion for someone on the battlefield, on an actual field of battle. I would feel for the loss on the other side, but that would not stop me from doing the action because they've crossed a line. Now, the other factor in this is the emotion of anger. If I see someone kill someone else, I might not get angry. I may be moved and shocked and horrified, but I might not be angry. It's a different emotion. Well, no, I'm not it's saying very... angry. I'm, I'm not saying that you should get angry about either one. I'm saying I believe that you should react. You should you should deal the same reaction. Like if you're okay, you see me get killed, you kill the other person. You see somebody else get killed, you should if you react the same way kill the other person that killed me, you should kill the other person that killed the, the stranger. I think the answer should be the same. Now, whether or not you do it out of anger, that, that's a different story. You might do it out of anger because it's me, or you might do it out of calm just justice because it's somebody else. See, I don't think there should be a difference between whether or not the person that is harmed is stranger or a friend. Now, see, is this should or is this will be? Sure. The thing is, I can say to you from a logical mind frame, there should be no difference right now. Sitting here calmly at my desk, talking into a microphone, drinking my cup of coffee on Skype on a live radio program, I can tell you there should be no difference. But in that moment, I can tell you there would be a difference. Whether or not there should or shouldn't, there would be. 
And there's no amount of training that could overcome that. Because to overcome it, I would have to give up all attachment to friendship, all attachment to love and kindness. I would have to reach that state that people strive for and break themselves with, where there would be literally no emotion. And I refuse to take that path. Well, see, for me, here's what, here's what I believe in my heart of hearts that I would do. I don't believe I'd kill in either case. Unless I'm on a battlefield and I have to defend my freaking life. <laughs> I mean, like a literal combat zone. I have to defend my life. That's the only time that I could ever see myself in a position where I'm going to have to kill somebody. They are coming at me. Or they are coming at somebody else. In that moment, I believe I would do it. I don't know. I haven't been put in that situation yet. But I believe I would. However, if I witness the situation and I could not do anything at that moment in time. I know myself well enough to believe that whether it was a friend or it was a stranger, I would react in such a manner that I would get those people to do I wouldn't react in such a manner that I would chase after them or anything like that. I wouldn't be like, you bastard, you killed my friend. No, hell no. Even if I have a gun, I mean, if, they, if, they're turned, if their back is turned to me, I, if there's something that I can, if they're not actively pursuant of me or somebody in my custody at that time, I would get a description. I would try to do everything I could to detain them while the police get there. Now, if I'm on my own and all I have is one person out there, yeah, I would just get a description and call up the police. If I was in a group, and I know that I would do this for a stranger, I know for a fact I would do this for a stranger because I was in this situation. If I was in a group, three out of the four people there are drunk. One of them just got off a double shift from being MP, so that's like 16 hours, and they were just out hanging with us, so they're really tired. And then it's just me sober, and one's pregnant. I'm getting a description of the person, and relaying it to somebody that's calling into the police. I know for a fact I would do that because I've, I've done that. And then as soon as the victim, if they are still alive, well, that doesn't really matter. I would go to the victim as soon as the culprit left to try to assess the situation there. Whether it was a friend or a stranger. That's what I, I believe and I'm very confident I would do. Because I'm not putting anybody else in danger. I know. You're being honest with it, too. Yeah. Honesty is the key point here. So Too many I... people in the community want to lie and say they would do something else. I, I, It would be easy for me to tell you, Allie, that if someone killed you, that I would get their description I would see them go to jail. That would be the easy answer. The truth is really dependent. Have I found you dead after the fact? And I'm, you know... I've been there when someone died, okay? It haunts you for the rest of your life. And if I had to sit there while you were dying, holding you, and then I look over and you're like, yeah, that's the person who did it, get their description, I'd be like, don't worry, I'll have their description when I'm done. (laughs) They will be able to take their imprint off of the pavement of their face. I'll be like, that's what they looked like. Because at that point, I would have lost someone in that moment. And that's a different moment. And it's all dependent on the moment. Okay, so let's say that, that wasn't me and your that ran over to help. It was a stranger. Would you do the same? I've held them and I've held them dying in my arms, and I know this is the person that did it. Yeah. I want blood. 
I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I would have a hostile reaction uh, to the person who killed them. That's what I <laughs> that was too honest. Wasn't I want blood. <laughs> wow. Whoa, Jedi. Calm down there. But here's the thing. The question that we always ask, is it right or wrong? But the Jedi path has never been one about right and wrong. That's why we have so little on the moral structure. The truth is understanding, is it you? And then what part of you walks the path within that? There is a big difference between I held you in my arms and watched you die, and this person is there in front of me, and I can stop them once and for all from ever doing this again. And I found your body, and I found the note where they said they killed you, and stalking them to kill them. No, at that point, I need the police. Even if I know their home address, I am not in a state where this is the moment of action. Oh, gosh. So then... what you're saying is that it, depend, oh. that it has to be a moment of action where the situation has gone to, they are still in the presence. That what? If, okay, so let's say that they kill me, but they, they didn't realize that I, I'm sitting there. Okay, I or some stranger is sitting there. They say, hey, that person killed me. Don't, or get a description of them because they are mad. They need help. They need medical help. Then what do you do? I mean, you, you have In to... In that situation, that's your dying wish. I have to restrain myself at that point. <laughs> so here's basically what I'm trying to pull up. is that everybody has the if-and situation. It's a, you never know what's going to happen until you're in the situation. It's a... What we say, Met TC in the military, or in the army at least. I don't know if the other branches say it. But basically, it stands for situation dictates with more, more words involved, like ammo and well, okay, actually, ammo's not in there because A is not in there. But your equipment, your military personnel, your terrain, your all that stuff. That's what Met TC stands for. Civilians on the battlefield, stuff like that. But the point is that until you're in, what I'm trying to drive at is until you're in the situation, you don't have a freaking clue what you're going to do. Because everything is dependent. Let's say that I saw a situation where I know what I would do if I was in a very specific situation where I had only so many people with me. Most of them were incapable of chasing after the guy. I'm not going after him by myself because I know I can't run, run down somebody like that or deal with it as soon as I have it. And the guy's got a knife the size of a machete at someone's throat in the middle of the dark. I don't know if that thing's sharp. I know what I'm going to do in that very, very particular situation because I've been there. I've done that. If I have people that are capable with me to do something and I see this, I don't know what we would do. Right. You might form a different plan based on that. And that, that's, this is coming back to what I say is most people want a blanket statement for their honor and their dignity. They want a blanket statement for their pride and their compassion. And the truth is no such thing exists as a blanket statement. When you ask yourself these questions, you need to be really honest to the degree of the question. You know, would I beat a man to death for hurting a friend? Probably not. Um, so long as I didn't slip and kill him, you know? I would beat them, don't get me wrong. To, into the ground. They would be on the ground crying in, in pain. 
but they would live. For killing a friend, I would beat on this person until I stopped. And the question only would come to... I would do whatever I was doing until I stopped hurting them. So the question would be, would I consciously want to stop before I killed them? And I can't tell you because I've never been in such an extreme circumstance. I can tell you that if it's only based on what my emotional state was, I'd want to kill them. So I'd be trying for that first, and as the situation developed, that might change. Because the other side of this, somehow these aggressors always become defenseless afterwards, you notice? Well, this person killed you, Allie, and, you know, I think you put up a pretty good fight, wouldn't you hope? Right? Yeah. I, I, you'd hope you put up a pretty good fight. I'd hope you put up a pretty good fight. Um, you think I'm going to get out of this completely unscathed? I might lose my will to kill them after the first stab wound in the arm. You know, right. I may have knocked them half unconscious, and I may be bleeding out myself when I realize that they're out cold and I need to get to a doctor now. Because my life is more important than my vengeance at that point. I don't know. That's a that's a very complex set of scenarios, and I can't pull all the details. But I've got to be honest with what's in my heart at the moment. I can tell you what my heart would be doing. I can tell you what my emotional state would be. Now, all of the details of my reactions after the emotional state, I can't guess. Someone, someone takes one of my friends from me. Because that's what it is. They're taking you from me forever. I will never see you again. That's the way I see it. Whatever's for me after this, I'm not going to see any of my friends again. That's my honest view of my afterlife. They've taken you from me. I'm going to emotionally want to take them from the world. Now, what am I going to do? I don't know, because you know what? After the first stab wound in the, in the chest, you know, I might be banging their head. They may be bloody and bleeding. They may still be alive. But I'll be like, damn, I probably should go do something about this knife. I might want to go find someone who can remove this better than I can and stick me up. Well, now, Andy, he's pretty good at sticking up that stuff. We 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 reached a point where we come up we, where we say met TC situation dictates, and when people reach that point, they stop asking the if questions. What if this happens? What if that happens? What what if what if what if what if questions are are useless? They really are. They do provide you with something to contemplate during your time. I mean, the honest-to-God scenario, the majority of people are not going to find themselves in these situations if they live in small-town USA. They're not. If you live as an average American, the majority of you are not going to experience these problems. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you a about it. So why question I'll about I'll give it? you a what was instead of a what if. Um, if you see someone assaulted, there's always, if you've seen someone getting beat up, what would you do, right? Yeah. Well, I was at work. I was running the self-serve and a dude got hit into me. Okay. He got punched so hard that he fell into me one day. I turn around and I catch the guy and I believe I've been hit. Okay. I honestly do. That's how hard he got hit. The force of his body hitting me from being hit made me think I got hit. Wow. What, I, what, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. The part of my brain that is thinking, Charles, that is rational, you know, I have emotions and I have drives and fears and wants and needs, that part that causes me to go into a cold terror right before I spar, but shuts off right after the first punch is thrown, shut off, okay? At that point, I honestly believed I was fighting someone, and I started bobbing and weaving, and I pulled my right hand back, and I was getting ready to hit the guy. 
Why did I stop? Because this is strange. There are people around us. The rational part of my brain was starting to kick in, okay? Wow, my gloves aren't giving me any coverage in this. That was the next part, okay? It didn't matter to me whether or not he had gloves on. What it was is I wasn't even thinking gloves. I was thinking whatever I have on my hands that I hit with. I was thinking whatever my hands are, right? But I realized that I couldn't get behind my hand as well as I do a 16-ounce glove. That I didn't have as much coverage because you gain coverage with your eyes without realizing it. I was like, right. man, my coverage is off, so I pulled in tighter. Yeah. <laughs> you getting where this is going? I move in two steps, and it hits me that I'm wearing, I'm not going to say what color shirt because I'm not going to say what market I work at, but I'm wearing a colored shirt that I don't own any other colors. I don't own any of these for day-to-day -day wear. I'm wearing a pair of dress pants, and I've got my uh, normal belt on and my wallet and everything else that I have on me when I go out to work. I'm in work clothes. I've got a name tag on. Hmm. That's interesting. The part of me that's now rational and thinking has continued the bobbing and weaving, but now it's sending a different signal. It's sending the signal, you're probably doing this to keep from getting hit, but you should probably figure out why you just got hit. <laughs> okay? The rational Charles is back. This is within a second. This is within a split second. And I stopped, because I realized the guy wasn't coming after me. It hit me that he wasn't. I stopped, right? Almost, almost like my ears perk up like a dog when he's heard something in the distance. I, my whole body perks up like that. I look over to the person who has the phone who runs the front of the store, and I point at them and I go, Call the police! Because I'm not getting into a fight in the middle of my store. Yeah, this guy just hit someone in the store, but this is no place for me to be laying down an ass whooping. He may have earned it, but he didn't earn it from me. <laughs> <laughs> and... That is a what would I do? What would I do? The very first thing that would happen is all of my years of training would kick in. You know, if someone attacked you and I was aware of it and I snapped, my years of training would come in and they would become a target. Now, what I would do afterwards, I would become more rational as things either escalated or de-escalated. But that's a more honest, you know, what have I done? Now, I can't draw a conclusion. That was the middle of a supermarket with someone I didn't know getting knocked into me. I can't tell you what I'm going to do outside of that. I can tell you what I have done. But I can tell you also that in my heart of hearts, the idea of backing up or allowing it to happen doesn't exist for me. After I realize there's a conflict, my initial reaction is to get involved. Which actually drives home my point, or my point with this, is that... You know, we say what if questions are stupid and that you shouldn't even contemplate them because X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada. But it is because of that rational mindset, that question, the fact that we question ourselves all the time, that will get us to the point where we can start reacting the way that we want to react. It's what helps us step back. Right, exactly. And that's the point of, that's why I ask people to be honest with their emotions on it. Don't just say, what should I do? But ask, what would you do? And ask, what would you be feeling in that moment? And how would that drive you beyond what you would do? Or how it might change the way you would react? Because if you look at it... Yeah? And, and that's the whole point. And that's why we ask these questions philosophically so that we can get these answers for ourselves. That's why these what-if questions are important. Despite the fact that you can what-if all day. And I want to pose this one to anyone who listens to this, okay? Um, and at the end of the show, Allie, write us up a summary for the show, just like a quick two or three lines. So I have something, because I'm terrible with those. I really am. You have no idea. 
So when I post this, eventually when our website back up, you know, we have something for it. But, you know, I'm going to ask all of the viewing and listening audience out there, uh, you know, drop us a line on Facebook or, you know, tell us when you'd be good for doing a show to answer the question, what would you do if someone hurt someone close to you? You know, think about it, but then tell us. We would like to know, because the more we know about how the rest of the world reacts, also a little bit more that we get to look inside ourselves with a bit more honesty and a bit more uh, anchoring in the rest of the world. Because the thing is, I answered this question the first time at a Jedi gathering in the greatest state of peace I could be in, even in a state of anger, because I was surrounded by friends and family and people I cared about. Of course I was in a state of peace. This wasn't on the street in the middle of a city with just one friend there who just got hurt. That's a whole other situation. And whatever state of mind I was in when the question was asked is not going to be the state of mind I was in when I got home or the state of mind I was in when I asked myself the question at work or when I'm walking on the trail. None of that is going to be the same state. So in asking you to ask yourself this question, you answer it not just for yourself, but to give us an idea of our own internal mirror, how it works and why it works. And I would love to hear that answer. Even if you yeah. want to just post it up on, uh, say, the Knights of Awakening show. And actually, you know, that is something that we should discuss in the future, Charles, is seeing if there's a way that we can set up, like, a a uh, comment section for each of these shows. I don't know how to do that. I can enable it. I can enable it. Um, and as soon as the server is back up, our server's down right now. Um and I'm pretty sure it's not my fault. But I'm going to give it a day, and if it's not back up in a day, then I'm going to assume it's my fault and go do something about it. Uh, because it's paid for three years. No, wait, it's back up. Holy crap, you see this, Allie? This is my power. If I doubt myself for one second, I make things happen to make myself right. This could be my fault. <laughs> the web page is back up, by the way. You know what? I'm sorry about global warming, everyone. I'm sorry about Obamacare. These are all my fault. But that means they should be fixed in the next couple seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't... It, it, it didn't work? What? We still have Obamacare? Crap! <laughs> well, I ain't taking the rap for that then if it didn't fix itself. <clears throat> My voice is starting to go out on me, Allie. That's fine. We're actually done with the show today. It's... I'm really glad that you guys were all able to join in for, you know, one of our few Force Realist episodes. It's really hard for me to get in here and try to do this with college and uh, work and whatnot. And, you know, I I want to. I want to do more of these uh, more fluent, frequently. So hopefully, hopefully with this new year, I'll, I'll be able to get through this entire series of uh, the Jedi Compass, which, like I said, if you're interested in trying to write for this uh, for this book, the Jedi Compass book. It's actually focused in different chapters, but you write on different subjects, which today we discussed one of them, and that's Conquering Aggression. Please let me know. You can uh, get me at S-E-T-A-N-A-O-K-O-M-G-I-B-A at hotmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm one of the Knights of Awakening hosts the, and admins exactly. page. So hop on, the, hop on the Facebook page, people. I swear to you, if she puts something on there, I will bug her. If you put something saying, hey, Allie, you need to see this, I'll bug her myself and get a hold of her. I'll call her on the phone. I'll be like, Allie, Allie, someone posted on our page. They want to talk yeah. to you. 
<laughs> but yeah, we, we want to hear your comments, your feedback on this. Uh, I hope that everyone enjoys their New Year's. We're actually in four minus 14 Five. is what? 10, 10, uh, almost 11 hours now into the um, Force Realist Meditation Day. And it's been going really well. I've had some of some of the people that have participated in that post back to me and let me know how they're doing or how they did during that whole thing. Um, really proud of everybody that's participating in that. I'll, I'll be the last one to close it out. So everyone, please just remember that as this year goes on, that everything you do is one step closer to awakening the night within. Yeah.